she's really good at creating a community of found family around her protagonists that's just a delight to read. Welcome back to another episode of All Books, Sterling the Mystical Library's podcast where we talk to you about authors we'd like to recommend. Yes, and in this particular case, we're talking about Nora Roberts, who's had a storied career. I don't know how long she's been writing, but it's been decades, right? It has been 40 years. Yes. Oh, wow. So yes. <laughs> Cherie is here to give us a sampling of her various books. Yeah, so Nora Roberts is fascinating. She is one of the most prolific authors of the last 40 years that she's been writing. She's written about 240 books. That's 240 books, 40 years. That's roughly five books a year, if you do the math. And some years it was significantly more because when Nora Roberts broke into writing, it's a really interesting story. She was stuck at home in a snowstorm in 1979 with a three and a six-year-old and desperate for relief. There was no relief in sight with kindergarten or anything Mm because snowstorm. So she started writing down the stories that were in her head. And she submitted them to Harlequin, who said, no, thank you. We already have our American author. And then a couple of years later, the Silhouette brand popped up as a competitor to Harlequin, and they bought her book. So Nora Roberts' first book was published when she was 31. Within the next two years, she wrote 23 additional books in two years. Now, granted, the Silhouette books are kind of small, right? Like Mm -hmm. around 200-ish pages. They are short. They tend to adhere to a formula. I just read something in an old article from The New Yorker that said that the editor who chose Nora Roberts' book had to practically do headstands because her books, her writing wasn't adhering to the formula as strictly as other authors was. Mm. But obviously, it was a great call for them. Nora Roberts continued to write the category romances until about 2005. There's definitely a place for them in reading, especially people who don't have much time to read. They'll enjoy a shorter story versus committing to a 300 to 500 page full length. Yeah, it's kind of like an individual TV series episode as opposed to like watching a movie or something. So. So here's the thing. Nora Roberts started with Silhouette And I did a timeline because it's just so fascinating. Her first book was published when she was 31 in 1981. It was called Irish Thoroughbred. So we we at Sterling Municipal Library do have that book in a collection of her books in large print. In 1987, she wrote her first single title paperback book for Bantam, which was a major publisher at the time. And she, in that year, also qualified for the Romance Writers of America Hall of Fame. She was their first author to meet their criteria, which was four (laughs) bestsellers in a genre at that time. So that was, count the math, six years after publishing her first book. She published her first hardcover in 1992 with Putnam. In 1995, she launched the pseudonym J.D. Robb and the book's Naked in Death, etc. in Death, featuring a futuristic police detective. And the whole reason she has a pseudonym is because when she was pitching these books at the publishers, the publishers wouldn't publish that many in a year under one name. (laughs) You're going to burn out your readers. And also the J.D. Robb style is more of a mystery romance hybrid, right? She wasn't really sticking to her usual genre. Nora Roberts doesn't have a usual oh, genre, okay. is what I would contend. Because especially now. Like, especially now. She writes popular books that are the ty- type of books she would want to read. She always includes an element of romance and an element of, of love. She writes very realistic, I would argue, very realistic characters that are men as well as women. She was the youngest in her family and everybody else was brothers. <laughs> she's oh, wow. She's been surrounded by men her whole life. Her children were sons. She's just, she writes 
from the man's perspective as well as from the woman's. And in romance, that was very rare when she started writing. Mm -hmm. The argument used to be right from the woman's perspective. That's the audience. That's why you'll get your readers to identify with your characters. She was like, "Mm, nope, and wrote from both perspectives. So again, 1995, she launched the J.D. Robb pseudonym and picked up a ton of male readership from that. And some of them cross over and read her romantic suspense ones as well. Mm. She published her 100th book in 1996. That book was Montana Sky. Sterling Municipal Library owns this. She earned a Lifetime Achievement Award for Romance Writers of America in 1997. So that's a Lifetime Achievement Award only 16 years after her first book was published. She's been writing for 40 years. Mm. So there's been more of her lifetime since that Lifetime Achievement Award than there was before it. She was named one of the most influential people in 2007 by Time magazine, and she published her 200th book in 2012, The Witness. Sterling Municipal Library owns this. And Year One was published in 2017. It was the first book of a fantasy trilogy that was Year One of Blood and Bone and the Rise of Magics. It wasn't her first book to have fantasy and magical elements or even strong fantasy and magical elements, but it was the first one with those elements that I read. And I would contend that it was the first one that followed the same major characters, at least through the last two. And that's more of a thing with fantasy sagas than it is with traditional romance trilogies that might follow different members of a family. The year one trilogy to me was the first time we really thought, where does this belong? Does it belong with our science fiction or do we leave it with the romance where it's easy for readers to find? It's cross genre. It's wonderful. I was on bated breath waiting for those books to come out from each year in November from 2017, 2018, 2019. And then she started another fantasy trilogy, the Dragonheart trilogy, which is what I'm rereading now. The first one, The Awakening, came out in 2020. The Becoming came out in late 2021. The Choice will come out this fall, late in the year. And that trilogy, the Dragonheart trilogy, follows the same protagonist, the same protagonist or protagonists throughout all three books. So I have a question for you. Have you ever gone back and read some of her really early writings? How does it hold up? I have not. I will say, have I enjoyed absolutely every book that I've read of hers? No. Do I generally enjoy a good story and find one? Yes. Do I generally enjoy snappy dialogue and smart characters? And I read in, in, I forget if it was her bio or Wikipedia, that her female protagonists may have challenges or, or obstacles, but they are always intelligent and strong. And strong doesn't necessarily mean utterly defeminized. <laughs> you can be pretty and strong. So I'm sure that her early writing would show its age. If I read any book that was published in 1981 or 1985, I'm certain that there would be a lot of cringe involved. Just Did you ever sample any of her like silhouette books or whatever those were? I missed the boat on that okay. because I did not start out as a Nora Roberts reader. I started reading romantic suspense in the early 2000s. I, Linda Howard, Jane Ann Krentz, and Nora Roberts. That's when I started reading her books. And for years, I resisted reading the J.D. Robbs because I was always a science fiction and fantasy reader. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, you put mystery in my sci-fi fantasy or ooh, you, you, you put sci-fi in my mystery because mm-hmm. that's the Eve Dallas books are set in 2058 and forward New York. They're laser pistols. But basically, I realized when I finally did read them, 
these are people books. It's about the people. It's about the found family. It's about the story. And there are trappings of you can put the trappings of fantasy around that. You can put the trappings of science fiction around that. You can put the trappings of mystery or romance around that. It's really about the characters. And Nora Roberts books under both names and under multiple genres, she's really good at creating a community of found family around her protagonists. That's just a delight to read. Although I have to say, because all of her books, all of the J.D. Robb books end with in death, I'm really hoping that the final book in that gets named Dead in Death. (laughs) The end in death. (laughs) She has 54-ish of the Eve Dallas and work books. So Nora Roberts treats writing as a job, as in sits down six to eight hours a day to work on writing. She doesn't sit around waiting for random inspiration. Books a year. <laughs> yeah, no inspiration butterflies waiting for those. She she treats it as her job. It's a job that she loves and she works hard at. That's not her only enterprise. She and her husband built a boutique hotel in Boonesboro, Maryland, and wrote three or four books about it, the In Boonesboro trilogy, so three books. And there is the In Boonesboro on the Square, I think is the name of it, that is a real place. The rooms described in the books are real rooms that you can go and visit in Boonesboro, Maryland. And the, it's a boutique hotel. So I looked at the prices this morning. It was between 275 and 353 per night, depending on what night of the week. So boutique hotel, hotel pricing. Also, her husband manages a bookstore that they own <laughs> right next right near there in Boonesboro, Maryland. And I've never heard of Boonesboro, Maryland before reading Nora Roberts' books, but darned if I don't kind of want to go now and stay on the square and do a little walking around in the town. And if I have a bunch of money to go spend, it's a candidate. It would be a a very different kind of vacation trip to go take. So for year one, I know you said that she had books that had fantasy and sci-fi elements before. It feels like that's the first one that the publisher was like actively trying to market as science fiction fantasy, like that different genre, at least from the cover. I remember walking by the cover and being like, wait a second. This is it was like a white cover with like a raven on the front or something, which is not it's not very like romantic fantasy. It's very like this is a fantasy series. It might have some romance. There might be some romance in it. Well, I mean, it starts with a global pandemic called the Doom that wipes out the majority of the world's population and inspires Rough. magic and stuff. So yes, I would agree with that mm-hmm. because her other romances that have had magical elements, magical people, like I said, they each book in a trilogy might follow a different character. Mm-hmm. It's not as fantasy ish yeah. and. I would say that the other things written under the Nora Roberts name with fantastical elements were more directly marketed as, look at this romance with some magic. Mm -hmm. Whereas year one was marketed as, look at this gritty, possibly dystopian, but ultimately hopeful fantasy book that's Mm -hmm. about people and some of them love each other. (laughs) Some of them love each other during the books. And... You've read her you've read her JD Robb books, right? And the the most recent ones in the fantasy. Is there a genre you prefer her? And I know she does it all, like combined, <laughs> but is there is there a series that you prefer? Cuz I know you said you were really hanging on the edge of your seat for this next one. It depends on the mood, honestly, okay. on my mood. Mm-hmm. What am I in the mood for? Yeah. The JD Robb books tend to follow a formula, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I read them because I like to know that my protagonists are probably still alive at the end of the book. Mm. I like to know that ultimately the good guys are going to win. They tend to. I like to have the storyline resolved, at least to a 
a point that makes sense within that book. I don't like cliffhangers that drop you off in the middle of you don't know what exactly is going on at the end of the book. (laughs) If I get to the end and I don't know where I am, I kind of wonder why I bothered to read the book. So for me, I think I I go on binges where I'll read six to 10 of the J.D. Robb books in a row. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be like, okay, something different now. And I might read completely different authors. I was rereading The Awakening and The Becoming. And then I was like, you know what, let me go back and reread Year One and of Blood and Bone and, of, and The Rise of Magics. Because are those two separate series or are they set in the same world? Separate series. Okay. So you do not need to read any other Nora Roberts book ever to pick up The Awakening and start reading it. Okay. You don't need to have read any other Nora Roberts book ever to pick up Year One and start reading it. However, if you pick up The Becoming without reading The Awakening, you will be confused. <laughs> yeah. And I would say... Maybe less problematic with the with the year one trilogy. You might be able to start with book two. I don't honestly know because I read it first to last. I say mm-hmm. maybe just because the main protagonist in of Blood and Bone was just getting born at the end of year one. Oh, okay. So little time jump. You've got a time jump. Well, that's awesome. It's not often that you see an author that can kind of go between genres like publisher wise usually i feel like publishers don't have a lot of open-heartedness towards authors going i want to write fantasy now and they're like mm, no no Stay no, no. Lane. <laughs> i can only imagine she was a, such a powerhouse that there's no way a publisher could say no like it's kind of like the stephen king thing like he just does whatever he wants and the editor's like thank you for your book <laughs> well and that's a little bit how i feel as a reader thank you for your book mm-hmm. because i did go back and read some of the more contemporary romantic suspense ones the legacy the hideaway And I enjoyed those stories. I really Mm -hmm. did. I also didn't feel like I needed more from those characters. I enjoyed those stories in that book. The Awakening and the Becoming and the Choice had better wrap up those characters by the choice (laughs) because (laughs) I definitely want to see more of what happens. This their story arc isn't complete within those three books. Now, the Eve Dallas and Rourke books, the in-death books written by J.D. Robb, the characters are never done. Eve and Rourke are never complete Mm -hmm. within a book. But the particular thriller mystery serial killer getting hunted for is usually done. The particular mystery needing to be solved in that book gets done within that book. So Mm -hmm. as a person who likes resolution, I like that. But again, the secondary characters in all of these are a delight. I love Eve's found family with Mavis and, and the other friends. I love the support system. Marco is the lifelong best friend for the protagonist Breen in The Awakening and the Becoming. And Eve Even though he's stuck on mundane earth while Breen travels between worlds, he gets some of his own back in book two. So it's fascinating to read these books. And you don't need to do a bunch of homework ahead of time. You don't need to work hard to fall into the world that's being created. Nora Roberts does a good job of just pulling you inside without a lot of work on your part. All right. Well, thank you so much for giving us a career overview. Yeah. I'd say give her a try if you haven't. If you're a man... Give her a try. The romantic suspense ones or the J.D. Robbs or any of them, honestly, if you're a man, if you're a woman, if you're non-binary, if you're, you know, interested in a, in a good story where the people have snappy dialogue, give her a try. All right. And on that note, stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations. Bye.